Well, we're going to do something new tonight. Um, here in a minute, Mark's going to pass out bingo cards, and we're going to sell them for $5 a piece. And as I'm preaching along, I want to call out bingo numbers. And <laughs> yeah, buddy. Scripture verses, we'll use scripture verses. Praise God. Now, get your Bibles out. And if you would go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to share something with you tonight. That, man, it's so simple. But I don't want you to pass over it. Because it's easy to do. It's easy to sometimes when you're reading your Bible and you, know, you get to reading all this stuff and you're just going along and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I got that, yeah, yeah, I got that, I got that. But it's not a revelation to you. It's knowledge to you, but it's not a revelation to you. When it's a revelation in your life, then it changes you. It, it, it has root in you. It has effect in you. It, it, it can, uh, you know, change your outlook on everything. And sometimes in life, you know how, what is the name of that game that you play, you know, that's got the, uh, you stack up all those little blocks of wood, Jenga, and then you have to pull one out, and then you're trying to figure out the one you can pull out so that the whole thing doesn't fall out, right? But sometimes it's, it, it, getting a revelation is kind of like that in reverse, because the revelation lets you pull the block out that crumbles down all the thoughts that could be deceptive, that could be, you know, leading you astray, and it knocks all that stuff down, so then you're like, ah, I see. Okay, and so I want to share something with you. And I, I, you know, my wife got this the first thing because this is what I this is my reading this morning, and uh, I just is like I was just sitting at the table saying, "Oh my gosh, I see this," and I couldn't wait till she get in there and I get you in there. I got to just put your stuff stop doing. I got to preach to you. I got to preach to you, you know, because it just was a to me. So anyway, here we go. I'm just pray right now that you get the revelation. So it's still on about God's love and about how much God loves you. If you have a revelation, if you can get the revelation of how much God loves you, he loves you for who you are. He loves you because you're a human being. He doesn't love you because you did good works. He doesn't love you because you're born of the right family. He doesn't love you because you never did anything wrong. He loves you because he loves you. God so loved the world. He loves you. Agape love stretched out towards you. He loves you. Amen? Everybody say, God loves me. Okay, so the second part of that is when you understand that God loves you, then you understand what God's love does for you. You hear what I'm saying? You understand how much God loves you that does something on the inside of you, but when you understand that love and what, he's, what he, he's, he loves you, then all of a sudden you understand that because he loves you, God wants to do things for you and through you. Amen? So 2 Corinthians 5.18 is where I want to start. It says, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. There's no other way that you could be reconciled to God except through what Jesus did for you. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ. Everybody look at those words. God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ 
reconciling the world to himself. See, sometimes in life we get to reading things, and we, what we do is we start, we start separating God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit into three individuals. You know, like Fred, Tom, and Sam. Right? And we start separating them into three individuals. And, 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 and it's not the truth. The truth is it's God in three persons, the Holy Trinity. Right? It's God in three, and he's saying here, God was in Jesus. Hello? Okay, I want to read it again. That through Jesus Christ has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, as has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Okay, just keep that in your thoughts and go to Isaiah chapter 53. I read Isaiah 53 I don't know how many times. A lot. Studied it and heard preachers preach on everything, but I'm going to show you something tonight that I, I pray is the, is the revelation just opened your eyes. Isaiah 53, 1. He says, Who has believed our report, and to whom, was, whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Okay, stop right there. So he says, Isaiah's prophesying, and he says, Who's going to believe our report? Who's, believing what we're who's going to believe our testimony? Who's going to believe what we say? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord. Okay? Now, wasn't it right up here that I just read over in 2 Corinthians? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So who's the arm of the Lord? In what Isaiah's prophet is saying about, because he's going to be talking about Jesus and Messiah here in a minute, Jesus is the arm of the Lord. Are you seeing this? Okay. So keep that in mind. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Isaiah says, who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? What is, who has a revelation of God's arm doing something? That's what, that, that's what that verse is saying. Who has got the revelation? Who caught it? Who got the report? Who got the testimony? Who got it down on the inside of them? What God's arm really was. Ephesians 1.15. Go there for a second. Ephesians 1.15 through 21. Therefore also, after I heard of your faith of the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of the calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Okay, so God had this plan. Isaiah caught it by the Spirit and prophesied about it, but I don't think Isaiah really knew what he was talking about. He just prophesied what the Spirit gave him and said it, and some scribe wrote it down, and they let the prophecy go, and forever people read the, the, the book of Isaiah 53. They said, oh, this is the Messiah's coming. He's going to do all of this, but they had no idea of the plan and how it all worked out. They never understood that God, the Father, sitting there said, I love those people, and their sin has taken them away from me. 
I breathed life into them when they were dirt. I walked with them and fellowshiped with them in the garden. And I so want to be with them. I so love them. I so want to have fellowship with them. I so want to be there with their, all going through their hardships that they've got on earth because the curse has been loosed on the earth. I so want to be there with them and love them. And I came up with a plan. I'm going to go to earth, but I can't go to earth as God. Because if I go to earth as God, then anybody that looks at me, I'm going to kill them. So I'm going to go to earth as my son, Jesus. He's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to go through and fulfill all these prophecies, but it's going to be me and him. So just get this picture. So when, when, when Jesus was walking down the Villa Della Rosa carrying the cross, it was as much God walking down the Villa Della Rosa, the father, the creator of the of the world, the same one that breathed life into man, is him walking down the Villa Della Rosa going to Calvary. When they whipped Jesus' back, it was as much as they whipped the Father's back because it was God in Christ. And God said, this is the plan. And then I'm going to die for him, and then I'm going to raise him up through Jesus, and then I'm going to seat him at the right hand of God, that, that part of me, that humans know is Jesus, that part of me is going to be sitting at my right hand. This is my arm that I'm going to reveal to the people. This is the strength of my strong right arm that I'm going to reveal to all the people. Isaiah's prophesying. He just prophesies. He says, who has believed a report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So my point is, I want to get down to the good stuff here in just a second, but just my point is right here, if you catch the revelation of the strength of the arm of the Lord, the love that God has for you, and the what God's love will do for you, then you are the person that has believed the report of the Lord, and you are the person whose God's strong arm has been revealed to. You know, so many times in life, situations and circumstances that come upon us in life seem scary and make us afraid because we're always looking at our own strength. We're looking at our ability to navigate our way through it, our ability to withstand it, our ability to do that. And when you do that, you begin to see your helplessness, your inability. Are you all with me? And so whatever the situation is, it comes up and rises up like a, a tidal wave out of the ocean towards you. It scares you because you're looking at your ability. But then all of a sudden, if you start to think, well, wait a minute, my daddy loves me, and he has got a strong right arm. My daddy loves me so much, and there's nothing that can overcome him, and he loved me so much that he died for me. Starts to change things. Things don't look so big and woolly, right? They don't look quite so scary now. All of a sudden, daddy, step in and take care of the situation, Okay? All right, so go back to Isaiah 53, start at verse 2. Now, I don't care what translation you're reading it out of it tonight. I'm reading out of a new King James translation, which is real close to King James, but I, I want to show you something here. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when you see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, 
acquainted with grief, acquainted with grief, okay? Now, I want to go back and I want to show you what those words mean. If you start back, it says, he has no form. That word form there could be translated, it means a, a stately form. You know, in other words, Jesus didn't come in his royal apparel. God didn't walk down the Villa Della Rosa in his God form, right? His kingly apparel, his stately form. He didn't walk down that like that because he had to lay his godliness down, his God side down to be human. Or comeliness, that word comeliness, it means splendor. Okay, so he didn't come in, in a stately form. He didn't come with within splendor and it says and when we see him there's no beauty that word beauty means the his his appearance that we should desire him so he didn't jesus didn't come on earth and and was born and we know the story about the manger and we know the story about the wise men and we know the story about the angels coming we know the story about that but when jesus when you look at him okay so this is where this is where i gotta take this okay you just gotta think about this for a minute so i've heard people say this so jesus wasn't very pretty like meaning his humanly form. All right? It's not what that means at all. I'm going to go on and show you. He says, okay, he was despised and rejected by men. That word rejected means forsaken by men. A man of sorrows. That word sorrows could be translated pain. And acquainted with grief. And that word grief could be sickness or should be sickness. And as... We hid, as it were, our face from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, and that word would be sickness, and has carried away our sorrows, and that word's pain. And we esteemed him stricken and smitten. That word smitten means to be struck down by God and afflicted. Now stop there for a minute. <clears throat> So what he's saying is, God took all of this on himself, our sins. And because he took all of our sins upon him, no one wanted to look at him. Now, can you imagine this love? Not only is God willing to die for us, but he's willing to take the ugliness of our lives upon himself and take it to the cross for us so we could be redeemed. I mean, come on, think about this love. What kind of love is this? That not only is he going to just pay the price for the, for the debt of the world, the sins of the world, but he's going to take it upon himself to the point where no one wants to look at him because he looks ugly because he's carrying the sin of the world. He was wounded, pierced through for our transgressions. He was bruised, crushed for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, that word stripes mean blows that cut in, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Okay, now, Logan, do we have the message translation back there in one of those, those deals? No? Okay, so the message translation, I don't know if you've ever read it. Sometimes it's good, sometimes I don't like it. So I went to the message translation to, to, to read Isaiah 53, the message translation. 
And I, I started laughing because if they ever got one, anything right in the whole Bible, it was this chapter. Okay? So here's how it says it. The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pain he carried, ours. The only reason why that Isaiah prophesied any of that about Jesus and the way Jesus looked, and I've heard preachers preach it before, you know, he was, the, the, all the whips and the, 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 the marks, the, the, the beating, the horror that it was. And when he walked through, you know what I mean? It is true that the Psalm says you could see his ribs. You could, he was beat and disfigured more than any. But what Isaiah's trying to prophesy by the Spirit was what made him unpleasant to look at was we were looking at Jesus with our faults on him. It's like seeing the worst of yourself. So God didn't just come in Jesus to die for us. He took upon himself everything in our life that's ugly. Took everything in life that's ugly upon him to take it to the cross so you would never have to walk in it again. So you could be free. So you could stand around and walk down the street and say, man, I am a pretty person. I don't have any sin on me. It was all poured out on Jesus. I'm walking in grace. Now, what, what a disaster to let the devil put you under condemnation, to put you under his spell, to get you convinced otherwise. What a travesty that when God took it all on upon himself so you could walk in grace and be free and healed, that you walked in it when you should be free. Let me read a little more. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself that God was punishing him for his own failures. That's <laughs> what Isaiah was prophesying. He says, we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God. Everybody says, man, what did he do? When, like when, when the disciples were walking down the street and there's a blind man and they say, hey, Lord, I've got a question over here. Who sinned, his mother or his father, that this kid was born blind? And he said, neither. So everybody's always wanting to put the blame. What did he do that this happened to him? Wait a minute. He didn't do anything. He took it upon himself. Jesus didn't do anything. He took it on himself, our sins. Folks, listen to me. Have you ever heard of a greater love story in your life? Have you ever heard of a greater love story in life that, this, that, that God would come, <coughs> excuse me, down himself and become Jesus in human form to take on the sins of the world so much so that nobody would want to look at him just so you could be free? Now, I don't know about y'all, but... <coughs> When I, when, I buy, when, I, when I buy something and I pay for it, I don't want nobody stealing it. 
and nothing makes me madder than a thief. I worked hard for it. I earned money to get it. I went and bought and paid for it and somebody to steal it or to just, just count it as nothing. Hello? How do you think God feels? What do you think his love is crying out for each and every one of us when the enemy attacks your life and he's trying to put on you something that doesn't belong on you because he already paid the price for it on the cross? You don't think the love of God wants to, the love of God wants to come and make it right? We, we argue and debate about physical healing. And, 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 and ministries and churches have split over the, the, the thought of physical healing. But my goodness, can you not say, none of us sitting in this room ever wanted our children to be sick. You know, our, our, our kid got strep throat and you're saying, well, that'll teach you, you know, from now on, wash your hands better. You needed to get a good dose of strep throat so that, you know, you know it, it set you straight. Nobody says that. We grieve for our children. They're sick. They're hurting. They got fever. They can't swallow. They're crying. You're hurting. Oh, my boy, baby. Nobody says, ah, well, do them good. And to think that God in his love for us, that that wouldn't be right at the top of his list for us to be healed and whole and complete, much less walking in condemnation or grief or sorrow or jealousy or pride or anything else that's out there in life. He didn't want any of those uglinesses on us because he paid for them all. So that means anything that's ugly in life that tries to come upon you, there's always a way of escape through the love of God. We thought he brought it on himself that God was punishing himself for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment that made us whole. He took the punishment that made us whole. Through his bruises, we got healed. We were all like sheep who've wandered off and have gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins and everything we've ever done wrong on him. On him. Who believes that we have heard and seen? Who believes would have thought God's saving power would look like this? Right? I mean, I've always said this. You know, I put myself in the position of God and said, if I was God and I needed to save the world, how would I do it? And I would do it like my father did me. Straighten up. Fly right. What's the matter with you, boy? Big angels. We'd have a church service and the big angels would put big swords. You want to serve me? Get right. Get that out of your life. I mean, that's what I would have done. That's just my what I my, what I saw in life. My humanness. I would have never come up to the plan and said, okay, this is what we can do. I'll go to earth and let them beat the tar out of me, whip me, do all these kind of things to me, take me out, crucify me on a cross, let my blood be shed for all the people. I'll take on all the sins of the world, the weight and the sins of the world upon me so that I can go and, and, and die so that everybody can be free. I wouldn't have never come up with that plan. That wouldn't have come up, that wouldn't have run through my brain. So it says, who have thought God's saving power would look like this? Or let me put it this way, what Isaiah said, who could have believed this was the strong arm of the Lord? Even the devil himself, the, Paul tells us, was rejoicing and said, man, we killed him. We killed the Son of God, not realizing that him killing the Son of God was really what bought the redemption of the earth. 
The devil didn't even figure it out. The plan was so amazing, the devil didn't even figure it out. Who had been there and seen the glory of God and the presence of God and knows what the throne looks like and been on the streets of gold. Right? Even he didn't have it figured out. And so Paul is trying to, Isaiah's prophesying it, Paul's preaching about it, trying to, trying to get us to get our eyes open to say, wait a minute. It's not that God said he loved us. God showed us he loved us. He didn't just say he loved us. God so loved the world. He showed us he loved us by fulfilling Isaiah 53. So just think about that. That God the Father walking down the Villa Della Rosa, going through that, held on the sins of the world upon us to go to the cross to die for you and I. It wasn't like it was a secondary something Jesus over here. No, no, no. It was God in Christ. If you ever think for a moment, you don't think God loves you, that thought comes in your mind. I mean, just go look at the cross. Remember the cross. There's an old country song. It's entitled Remember the Cross. Remember the cross where Jesus died, where his blood washed and set us free. Yeah, remember the cross. That's showing God's love. That's showing who, how much he loves you. It's showing this unbelievable amount of love for you. He says, man, he took the sins of the world upon himself. That's how much I love you. I went to the cross for you. Whew. Now, you think God would do that for you, that he's not going to bail you out of whatever situation is going on in life right now? You think God doesn't have a plan for you right now that's a, uh, like, like Jeremiah 29, 11 says, that it was a plan of the future and a hope and a great end? You think God's just going to say, hey, just let them suffer. Do them good. No, that's humanity. Humans think like that. God says, oh, I'll go die for them. Right? Any day that's a discouraging day, any day that's a dark day, any day that's a day that's hell, man, you need to stop saying, man, I remember the cross. Jesus went to the cross for me. That was God in Christ. Went to the cross for me. He came in there. He showed me how much he loved me. That's the proof of how much he loves me. I don't have to ask you, God, how much you love me. I can see how much you love me. Just think of that. All of a sudden, the devil's got nothing to bark about anymore. You just jerk, you just, you just detoothed him. Since the devil goes about as a roaring lion. He didn't say he is a roaring lion. He goes about as a roaring lion. You know, he's one of them chihuahuas with the big bark. <laughs> right? And now that little chihuahua ain't even got any teeth. Because he's like, man, I'm loved. This doesn't happen. This is, no, no, no. I'm a child of God. Wow, think again. What's your salvation? What you got in salvation? I really believe with all of my heart that God is trying to get us into this place to understand his love. I, again, I'm just, I'm just trying to follow the Spirit. And I'm, I'm like, I can't see the end game plan. But I just really believe God is trying to break forth on this earth right now and show people how much he loves them, how much he really did pay for them. How important people are. How important you are. To get us to grab hold of that. And I believe that that revelation of that will change our whole lives. will set our whole course of life in a, in a different direction. And then if you realize, if you, back at the very first of that, he says uh, that I read in 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 
18 and 19, and it says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what does that mean? We're supposed to have this revelation in us, how we got reconciled, and then our ministry is to tell others. So others can see this great because God paid the price for everybody. So it's free to them too. And so God says, I'm putting that upon each and every one of y'all. Y'all have all been given the ministry of reconciliation. Tell everybody the price has already been paid for them. I bore it upon my back on the cross. The price has already been paid for them. So all you have to do is believe in Jesus, and it's all yours. Wow. It kind of makes everything really simple if you get hold of the revelation. But he says, oh, God died for us and everything of the world. Amen? I highly encourage you to go home, read Isaiah 53. Find, you know, you, you, if you've got a phone app, a Bible phone app, you can go through every translation there is out there and just, and just start reading Isaiah 53 over and over and over again and start looking at that and what, the, what it's saying and, and, and just let it birth that on the inside of you. Change your life. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. Well, Bill, help us. We'll stick up our offering tonight. Puts a smile on my face. Makes me happy and feel all fuzzy on the inside. You know, I can say, just in, just in walking with Jesus, you know, we first started out walking with the Lord, everything was a big problem. Everything was a big problem. I mean, it seemed like it. I remember, I remember that, that Sunday. I'll never forget it. We were really, man, I woke up that morning. I was on fire. Boy, I was just excited coming home and got, went downstairs reading my Bible, preaching to my wife we, this Sunday morning before we go to church. And, and I remember I got all dressed and ready to go to church and went outside and, and, and the, the tire was flat on the car. And uh, I was like, okay, well, this isn't going to diminish me. This is not going to stop me. So I went back inside, took my shirt off, changed, got another shirt on, went back outside, changed the tire, got, got the tire on, got the spare tire on there. Laura's making breakfast. She screams and go in there. The little toaster just caught on fire. It just literally caught on fire right there. Burnt the toast up, burnt the whole toaster, toaster, everything. I had to throw it outside. It's just on fire. And I said, this isn't going to, we'll just eat, just do something else. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll eat just cereal, don't have to have toast, whatever. Just, just, we're going to church. It's going to be a great day. So she put something in the dryer for it to, 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 to get fluffed or whatever if we're going to wear it to church. And the and, uh, dryer just explodes right there. It just breaks right in the middle of the house. You know, I'm like, Okay, this is, getting, this is getting kind of extreme, but we can make it. We're going to make it to church. And got everybody in the family all encouraged. We're still in pretty good humor at this point. And uh, I said, we're going to make it to church. We're going to church, man. There ain't nothing. No, come hell or high water, we're going to church, boy. And so we got out there. We got in the car, started driving down the road, got down the road, and the horses had gotten out. So I had to go stop, get the horses, get the horses, put the horses back up, get to fix the fence. And so we got the fence fixed and left and went down the road. And going down the road, remember the buzzard from hell, this buzzard. Out of nowhere, this buzzard from hell comes flying and crashes right into the hood, right on the top of the windshield. Thank God it didn't crack it. But I mean, I'm like, what now? You're throwing buzzards at us? I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and it was like that all the way. We finally, man, we rolled up into church and we just stopped, shut the car and just started laughing and said, man, it has been war to get to church. <laughs> you know, and those are early days. And, you know, now it, 
those things don't seem like anything compared to other things we've walked through, right? Because you start growing in faith, and as you get older and more mature in your faith, you start being able to overcome the thing. But I just think that God wants to just do a, 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 just a quantum leap with us through his love. My, my prayer for y'all tonight is to have a dream, something, whatever you got to have, just, just sets you on fire. Amen? Okay, put your hand on your offering. Father, I just declare right now, these are the wealthiest people on the face of the earth. They're the most blessed people. Lord, you do everything from the north, south, the east, and the west. You bring in stuff. You just, man, you're always doing everything. And you're just creating ways that they, that this seems like there wasn't even any way. But Lord, you did it because you're our financier. You're the God that blesses us. And we thank you for it. We praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So praise the Lord. Stand up. Grab that person's hand beside you and look at them and say, you're going to get it. So, Lord, I pray over every person here tonight, I just declare, Lord, that they are going to get it. They're going to get the revelation of your love. If they think they got it, Lord, give it to them bigger, deeper, greater. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.